This week on Just Like That, the number one Mike Goldberg-inspired podcast on the planet. We will recap UFC Fight Night, Cater vs. Chikaze, hit you with our segments, Isn't He Awesome and Real World Callouts, and last but not least, we'll preview UFC 270, Ngannou vs. Gan. Here we go. Here we go. UFC 270 is here. We got preview for that. Uh, fight night has passed us. We're going to recap that, but we'll start things off as we always do with our take of the week. So Ryan, as always, take us away. Uh, all right. I've been covering my guy quite a bit lately, but just see more and more leaning this way. I think uh, Nate Diaz will uh, not be returning to the UFC after he completes his final fight on his contract. I was kind of iffy, but I think he's 100%. He's got one fight left, and he's done. I think it's becoming more and more apparent. Um, Nate's been tweeting constantly about wanting this uh, Dustin Poirier fight, and yep. the UFC will not make the fight whatsoever. They're stalling, stalling, stalling. Both guys want the fight, usually. Um, you know, a money fight like this, a fight that's going to sell well, uh, that being Diaz and Poirier, that's no brainer for the UFC. They immediately will, uh, sign that deal or, um, you know, sign a fight like that. Um, especially when two guys that, you know, are going to be big draws and could possibly headline a pay-per-view, they'd make that happen immediately. But, um, if the UFC thought that Nate Diaz would be returning, you know, they would make that fight for sure. And then they got the Connor fight. It's very, very obvious at this point that they are, in fact, holding out to make the Connor fight. They're not going to let Nate um, get out of this contract basically without making the trilogy. And uh, they are going to wait until Connor's ready to go. They're going to make that trilogy. And then Nate's going to be uh, on his way to do, uh, do other things, it seems like. Yeah, I had that exact same thought today when I saw Nate's, Nate's tweet saying... <laughs> He wants uh, the UFC to make the fights. Obviously, he didn't say, hey, UFC, I'd like to make this fight. It was something a little more incoherent, but it w- you could you could decipher it to be something along those lines. Basically, they won't let me take the fight, is what he yeah, said. Yeah, I think he signed a uh, piece of paper saying he signed to fight Poirier or something. Oh, yeah, consider so, this like, my made, signature made or something. Well. <laughs> yeah, fight Dustin Poirier or something stupid. Yeah, yeah, I saw that today too, and I, I had that exact same thought because I think we both. I thought I thought they might make the fight. Um, I I have so little confidence that Conor McGregor is even going to be cleared to fight again. He's got a titanium rod in his shin. As cool as it sounds, I don't think he'll ever be the same. And he already wasn't the same. But I now I really don't think. I mean, the doctors know more than me, obviously, but and Dana knows more than me, obviously, but. Do you really think like, I mean, he kind of had to like, he's going to have to learn to like rebalance himself again. I don't know. It just doesn't seem super realistic that he's going to come back and be anything close. Meanwhile, Nate's coming off a fight against Leon Edwards, who's one of the better 170s. It's like he really should make pretty quick work of Connor from what we've seen the past, uh, how the past few years have gone. Yeah, yeah. I think the only the only way we possibly do see Nate Diaz uh, return to the UFC is if like, as a stipulation of getting pay-per-view points in the uh, Conor McGregor trilogy that there's a, uh, like a win clause similar to a title fight. Like if you win this fight, you're automatically like re-signed for one more fight. I think you could see possibly the UFC do something like that, 
knowing that, you know, he gets a little bump and, you know, maybe they dangle pay-per-view points or some type of contract bonus in front of him to get him to sign some type of small extension like that. But other than that, something like that doesn't happen. I think, uh, I think Nate's well on his way to uh, celebrity boxing or, or who knows what. Or just retirement slash shit talking. Yeah, exactly. I think I think he'll still fight. I think um, I think we'll see Nate Diaz return. Uh, if it's his last fight in the UFC, I think we'll re- see him return for at least one or two more fights. I think, you know, they'll somebody will wave some money in, it in front of him. He'll take it. I don't think he's like on Nick's level by any means. I think he's still competitive and. Uh, He's definitely a, a draw for an or, for uh, any of the other organizations outside of the UFC that I think they'll be, you know, too much of a uh, too much for them not to uh, kind of try to throw something at him at least once and see how it goes. Yeah, for sure. And this is uh, Bellator's game plan all along. So this is right up their alley. Like he's out of his prime, but he's entering his Bellator prime. So he's getting right right up there with a. Uh, you know, the, the the shoe almost fits for him to go to a situation like that. Yeah, he's out of his prime fight-wise, but, I mean, honestly, I think he might be, like, still in his prime as far as selling, oh, selling yeah. fights, you know? And as far as being out of his fight prime, it's not like he's far removed from it or it's not like he's a shell. I would be more worried about Conor McGregor. They're going to have to have, like, a closed-door hard sparring session or something to make sure he can even they can even make an event that's not in a total embarrassment. In my opinion, I just, that's how low my faith level is that he's going to come back and be any version of himself. That's even competitive with the top level guys in the world. Yeah. Well, I think the Nate Diaz fights a good, a good first fight back for him. He's a guy that you're not really going to have to worry about the leg kicks when you're fighting Nate Diaz. Right. I mean, I've seen him throw just a few (laughs) ever and they're, they're not, not very uh, hard, I guess, you know, yeah, he that's put much power behind him. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right there. Uh, I guess you, he wouldn't really make him look like a buffoon because he doesn't have a ton of power and he's not going to. Uh, I mean, if anything, I mean, he could though. He could just piece him up with well, that's know, one two. Just steamroll right. him and have him gassed out by by the middle of round two, and then just put him away with punches. I mean, that would look pretty bad if you're for your return. If you're Conor McGregor coming off of a two-fight losing streak where basically the same thing happened to you. So, yeah, it's yeah, interesting. That's kind of like why I think like maybe they would put some type of stipulation to, for Nate to have to uh, extend the contract at least one fight if he beats Conor because, uh, you know, they don't want to lose all that all that drawing power off of just if he steamrolls Conor. That pretty much, you know, Conor's still going to be somewhat of a draw no matter what, but if Nate just comes out and steamrolls him, I think you – I I don't know how he comes back from that and like his headlining pay-per-views as a non-title fight and stuff, you know. I think yeah. I feel like he's more of like a uh you know, an ABC whenever they do a card on ABC headliner or something if he gets steamrolled by Nate, you know. It's an ugly spot so, to be in. Yeah, exactly. I think they would want to be able to, you know, capitalize on on that heat off of beating Connor for the in the trilogy and, you know, maybe put him up against Poirier or that something. That would be perfect, and market yeah. it as like, you know, the two guys to uh, to be Connor and the trilogies fighting each other or something. That would be perfect. Yeah, exactly. So I think you're I think you're right on there. So yeah, and well, I guess we'll see. But we may be waiting a little while because I don't think uh, I don't think Connor's anywhere close to being returning to the octagon. So, but you never know. With uh, who knows what they're pumping him full of at the moment. So we'll see how it goes. Um, my take this week. I think we're uh, looking at the beginning of the end for Amanda Nunes's uh, unbelievable title reign. She's 
one of these things that kind of like the dominoes start to fall. You never, it's never really a good sign. She's splitting from AT and ATT to start her own team. I don't know. Had you heard this? And what were your first thoughts when you heard this? This is usually not a good sign, is it? This is like pretty much. I I had I did read. I was just glancing at headlines. I did see that. I didn't look into it much. I didn't know. I, all I saw was Amanda Nunes starting her own team. I didn't know she was leaving ATT to like just be her own thing or whatever. I just uh, thought maybe she was kind of like doing a little side thing. Maybe I don't know what I thought. I just hadn't looked into it too far. But yeah, co-oping. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like first thoughts on that. I think first thought would be it's an absolutely terrible idea. Um, I don't know what the hell she is thinking, except like you know she wants to just tank the rest of her career. I don't know. I, is there much money in running a gym or starting your own team right now? Unless I don't you're know. Like of the elite of the elite. Like it's, it just doesn't make much sense to me in any way whatsoever. I think it, it hurts her current fighting career. I believe. I mean, unless she's like poaching a bunch of coaches from ATT to start ATT to start this team or something, but I doubt she is. I mean, I'm sure she'll have decent coaches, but it just seems like kind of like money pit. I feel like most of these gyms are money pits. In fact, like it's, there's not a ton of money in it unless you have some top tier people, you know, I mean, she has herself, but uh, she's kind of on her way out. And I think starting her own gym, I, you know, like you said, kind of, um, speed and speed up that process of, uh, her it's never a good sign. I can't think of a good time when it's been a good sign, even the most like, People start their own gyms and they still go back to their real gym when they have fight camps. So that's what you hear about most of the time. Like they started their own gym at this place, but they still go back to ATT for their camps. So it sounded like she split, I mean, the headlines and they could be, they could be uh, clickbait, but it sounded like she's kind of like doing a full split with them. It didn't, I don't know if it sounded like it was bad or not. I don't know if Mike Brown will still be her corner man. I don't, I don't know. It's just never good after a fight. After a loss, clearly your focus is not in the same place. I mean, the first domino to fall was when I saw an embedded that she was doing CrossFit instead of regular training. I knew something was up that on that very moment, but since then, seems like uh, maybe she maybe she's just in a different headspace now. And honestly, it's understandable, but it may be the beginning of the end. Yeah, agreed. I I wonder if it goes a little deeper. I wonder if this has anything to do. We haven't really heard much on the. Uh, Oh, I guess Kayla Harrison's expected Kayla to Harrison PFL. situation. Uh, yeah, I, I just was wondering that because I'm like, maybe that kind of means like the UFC was planning on bringing in Kayla Harrison and then like she doesn't want to be like in the same gym as like. Yeah, which we've seen that happen before too. Yeah, but it just uh, I just read Kayla Harrison one day ago. Kayla Harrison expected to resign with PFL. Um, which would so be smart. That doesn't seem to be the case. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, it seems like. Uh, doesn't really make much sense then. I mean, I if if that was the case that Kayla Harrison was coming over, I could see where you know maybe it's ATT just trying deciding that that's where they want want to put their attention to the future instead of Nunes. But with that not being the case, I don't really know. Doesn't really make much sense to me. I think it's I think it's a bad move by her, but only time will tell. Yeah, I mean, worst case scenario, she want. I mean, worst case scenario is that something like there's a disagreement and they're on bad terms best case scenario that's also a worst case scenario is that she just doesn't want to do the training load she wants to run her own thing be her be her own be her own uh you know kind of run her own show and then best case scenario is that she wants all one-on-one time and she is like hungrier than ever which i find to be the least likely of the scenarios yeah exactly i mean in this main thing it's like 
the reason why there's so many elite fighters out of ATT is you have the best bodies for training partners, all, for yep. sparring partners all in the, the time. world. Like you got you got some top sparring partners that aren't even in the UFC that you get to train with day in and day out. You know, from all over, the best of the best are there, and you get looks against every. You know, if if you're running your own gym, if you need a look against maybe an unorthodox type fighter, like say. I don't know in the women's division. We're not talking Amanda Nunes here, but stay, say you're looking for like a, a Wonder Boy type guy, a fighter or something, or you're looking for an elite grappler, or, you know, some type of specialist. ATT, they have it all. Like they can get you looks for exactly what what you need. Like now running your own gym, you got to go, you got to try and find somebody outside of your gym because she's not going to have enough bodies to have, you know, most likely that the people that she needs to spar against. So you got to go pay them to bring them in. It, that cost ends up more. You probably don't end up getting as good of looks. It's just, uh, no, plus you're I the boss. Tougher. You're the boss. You're the administrator. You're in charge. You're the CEO. The other thing about ATT, they got that owner. That's just willing to throw as much money as it takes. And yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah like I said, about, just think about all I can see are cons. All I see are downsides. Yeah, think about all the outside factors. Running your own gym starts when you're all in the headaches. camp, you know, all the headaches. Yeah, like you're worried about collecting dues, collecting, you know, like yeah. making sure everybody, the coaches are there and whatnot. Like it just adds on a whole bunch of unnecessary, like uh, unnecessary uh, factors that that take away from your focus on uh, on a training camp to uh, to run the gym. So yeah, I I think it's I don't think it can be a good move really whatsoever. I mean, unless it's like she's starting her own gym and she's gonna gonna do her camps at ATT still, and yeah. but kind of split time, you know, maybe that that ends up all right. But uh, still, uh, you still have the factor of just running a gym taken away from your time. So uh, t- splitting your focus, you know, your singular focus on being a champion, not really anymore. You're you got to split it between being a champion and running a gym. So yeah, I'm I'm. And she had a kid, and she's married, and her so has a whole different perspective on life now. And she, and, and let's be honest, if if this was the end, then she still had a crazy run and was still one of the best ever. So, either way, but I it mean, almost, I, it seems like a bad sign to me. It yeah, seems like that, she's thinking about her life after fighting already, and not thinking about I'm gonna be the champion and make an, have another long run at at the UFC champion. You know, at 135, it seems like. Oh, uh, I better, I lost. I better start thinking about what's next, right? Yeah, or it was already on her mind before the fight, and that was one of the, you know, factors that maybe she was sidetracked by or distracted by, and just, I don't know. I mean, you can't force somebody to, like, have that hunger, that fire in them. She's made a lot of money now, and she's had got a lot going on, so maybe it's just the uh, the end of the drive. Yeah, we'll see. Time will tell. Yep. Yep, and I'm assuming her next fight will be a rematch, so we'll probably get to see right away where where she's at. So uh, either way, though, we'll move on, though, to uh, recap our UFC fight night. Um, some surprises in this one. We got um, UFC fight night 201. We had uh, Calvin Cater, Giga Chikatsi. Um, kind of a surprising result here, I guess. Um, I'm, I'm more surprised overall. People think this is like a fight of the year candidate. And yeah, maybe if you consider the fact that it's the first card of the year. But other than that, I did not see it that way. What did you think of this fight? Yeah, I didn't see it as a fight of the year candidate whatsoever. I mean, yeah, if you're looking at it as it's, it's currently the fight of the year because there's only <laughs> been one card. Yeah, 
then yeah, sure, fight of the year as of now. But I think that'll probably change uh, this Saturday, most likely. Yeah, by um, the prelims. Yeah, I didn't think it was anything special. I mean, I thought it was a good fight. It's kind of a one-sided beatdown. Uh, I thought both guys kind of looked like shit. As good as I mean, I hear a lot of people praising Kelvin Cater here. Exactly. I mean, yeah, Kelvin Cater won the fight. He landed an insane amount of strikes, but I thought he looked sloppy and tired, like kind of early in this fight. Um, I thought like, I thought just it was just more Giga looked worse than Kelvin Cater in this fight. You Wait, know, yeah. it looked like. Um, I heard something about maybe Kelvin Cater was saying uh, this corner there was something maybe wrong with them, and they asked him if he can continue, and he said yeah. So then he started throwing all those elbows. So maybe he broke his hand or something at some point. Um, and that's why I started throwing all those elbows and whatnot, but I thought he looked sloppy. Um, I didn't think, you know, people are, comp- I heard a lot of people like John Anik mostly just comparing this performance to Max Holloway's performance exactly. against, uh, against Calvin Cater. And it was nowhere near. I mean, yeah, he landed a ton of strikes cause Giga just stood there, um, and took him. Like it wasn't anything unbelievable. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, granted, it was a good fight. If you just like, it was a just bleed fight. You know, I'm never going to hate on that, but uh, it wasn't, It. I just think it's a little overrated at this point from what I'm hearing people say. But uh, regardless, I mean, Giga, that was just an awful performance by this guy. I mean, what was this? I mean, I, I never really saw him as having uh, cardio issues in three-round fights, so I don't know how all of a sudden he couldn't get through one one round. Was just that being on his back, it, it didn't seem like he was... Maybe there was a panic in there when he was on his back, some panic grappling, an adrenaline dump or something. But it didn't yeah. look like he was. It didn't look like he was like, uh, you know, exerting that much energy trying to get up from the ground. There, he kind of just was uh, was fine sitting there. It didn't look like he was doing anything to gas himself on the ground. I thought he was more just trying to conserve energy. Figure once he got taken down, he was just like, I don't think I'm gonna get up. So let's just uh, let's just make sure you know, to just kind of coast through this rest of this round, not take too much damage and get back to it in round two. But, um, that wasn't it either. It just, uh, I don't know if it just got in his head or what, but it wasn't just in his head because he was completely gassed. And then he never really looked the same after that. He just progressively got worse. Really. Um, we saw all the movement. It looked like at the first two minutes of the fight, Giga was came out. He looked exactly like what we expected Giga to do. And then literally after that takedown, he looked nothing like yeah, he was done. The Giga we've seen, you know, he stopped throwing kicks. He was throwing quite a few kicks. I, I don't know if he got worried about getting taken down again. So he just abandoned the game plan with throwing kicks. He, well, Giga's not going to win a fight if he's not throwing kicks. He's not keeping distance. Just kind of uh, he fought the rest of the fight exactly how Kelvin Cater wants to fight. You know, Kelvin Cater just wants to uh, fight you right in that boxing range. And that's what Giga gave him. And uh, yeah, it was just a bad, bad performance by Giga. Um, you know, I thought it was an average performance by Calvin Cater, but, uh, yeah, Calvin Cater won the fight. I mean, he landed a bunch of strikes. Um, he pieced up Giga, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's a little overrated, but nonetheless, uh, a just bleed fight, you know? Yeah. And, the something to consider, and this is why it's absolute nonsense to compare it to, uh, the Max Holloway Cater beatdown. Max landed something like 400 strikes in that fight. Calvin landed like 150 or something on Giga. It wasn't even close to like the same. It wasn't even in the same stratosphere, and I don't know if that's the exact numbers, but it was like something staggering like that can't even be um, compared really. And honestly, I don't think it would – the a 50-44 scorecard I think is pretty bad. I don't know which round they gave him the 10-8 because he never really had him out of there or like in great danger, but 
I don't know. Like, I just didn't think it was all that much of a, uh, like, a. it wasn't really the showcase that Max put on uh, Calvin Cater. And it wasn't a bell-to-bell beatdown. It, Giga, Fresh Giga is definitely one of the best uh, fighters in the world. It's just he has no gas tank, we learned. So... Um, yeah, and I, I don't know if he doesn't have a gas tank because I, I thought we've seen him have, like, and he, three when he rounds, put, have decent cardio. But I think, you know what it is? Some guys have a gas tank when they're controlling the pace. Yep. And then when they don't control the pace, they do not have a gas tank whatsoever. I think, you know, Kelvin Cater pressuring Giga, and Giga just kind of relented to the pressure, just kind of gave in and stopped going forward and just fought going backwards. He's obviously can't fight going backwards. Really, to get his offense off, he needs to be controlling the distance, controlling the pace, and uh, Kelvin Cater made it so he couldn't do that. Um, You know, Kelvin Cater took over. He was controlling the pace, and Giga seemed unwilling, or it didn't seem unable because every once in a while he'd start pushing forward and he'd land some shots and he'd look good, but then he'd immediately give back in to Kelvin Cater when Kelvin Cater started moving forward. So, you know, he just, uh, I don't, I, I don't think his head was in it. I think, you know, I think that takedown really stunned him. And, uh, after that, he was just kind of, uh, just completely out of it, you know, because, uh, yeah. he did look all right at the times when he started moving forward, but most of the fight, he was just completely willing to let Kelvin Cater kind of control everything about the fight. Yeah. And for reference, what you're referring to is he looked super fresh putting Edson Barboza away in the third round in their fight. Yeah, exactly. He looked as good in that third round as he looked in the first round. Like there was no reason to suspect that he uh, he was going to have serious gas tank issues. Although it's always a consideration when a guy's never been five rounds before. So um, basically, yeah, just a it, a little bit of a good you know something something good to uh, to know, especially when a guy's undefeated. If there's it, when, when's their weakness going to show, and I guess we got to see it. So uh, good win for Cater. Bad loss for Giga, but he does still have the tools to uh, to bounce back. So <clears throat> I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking maybe Giga is. Uh, I think he's just overrated. I think it was a hype train, and uh, I think there are very clear holes in his game now. And uh, kind of a blueprint's been written. Been pretty much exposed. You know, I feel like when I've seen fighters that once they get exposed to where they can't handle the pressure or they can't, you know, their only game is if they're controlling the pace and the pressure. Um, it's hard to for them to go and completely fix that very quick. You know, that takes a long time to get, yeah. get through, and a lot of times they don't. It just kind of fighters just end up taking advantage of that the whole time. Now, Giga's a guy where if if he's better than you, he's gonna. It's not gonna be super easy. Like if, if he's if he's the better fighter, it's not gonna be easy for um, opponents that aren't as skilled as him to be able to go out there and control that pressure and stuff. But when you get a guy that's close to his skill. You know, like Calvin Cater, who's a dog who's got some legit boxing and can put that on him, then I think he loses those fights every time. Yeah, that's a good way to go. That's a good way to go with it. So I think at the end of the day, what really sticks out to me is Mac. This is why people want to see Max versus Volk uh, for the 103 match in a row because they're clearly on a different level than everybody else. And this is what the rest of the division kind of looks like. Yep, exactly. All right, then, then we'll move on. on. I got the. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Calvin Cater versus Max Holloway up. I was looking for it. So yeah, Calvin or Max Holloway in that fight, he landed 445 significant unbelievable strikes, number. He threw 744 strikes. So unbelievable he, number. Yeah, he land or he only he landed 447 total strikes. 445 were significant. 
and he threw 744. Jeez. That's insane. Whereas Calvin Cater, I can give you the exact numbers on this Giga fight real fast. Hold on. So Cater versus Giga. We have Cater through, let's see. Where is it? So Cater threw 418 strikes, um, landed 157 strikes, uh, 144 of those being significant strikes. So not even in the same ballpark. No. He, he didn't even throw as many as Max landed. Significant. Yeah, exactly. He yeah, he didn't even throw yeah, he didn't even throw as many significant strikes that Max Holloway threw. He only landed about a third of the significant strikes or so. So I think people I don't think people remember what a showcase that was. I don't think people I think how quick people are to forget because I definitely did not forget. That was like a life changing performance for me. That was I mean, we were talking about that for weeks afterwards. Yeah, I didn't think it was possible to fight like that. I mean, he was landing 10, 12 strikes at a time, like 12 punch combinations. He'd back up and he'd start throwing another 10 punch combination. It was unbelievable. All landing. It was, it was, yeah, it was probably the most, uh, the best performance I've ever seen in my life so far, I think. So it, yes. it was something like that. You, you go in expecting Max Holloway to have a good fight, you know, but then. You see that, and you're just like, "That's um, yeah, unbelievable." Is the right word for it. It was, it was to the point where I was numb to the Yair Rodriguez Max Holloway fight, and that was a pretty good fight. But it wasn't, it wasn't even close right. to the. I it was, was numb to of it. A letdown, I feel like. <laughs> exactly, but again, everybody was all over that one too, and rightfully so. That was a good fight, but I mean, I, I don't think we'll ever see a performance like that again. But either way, that's why those two guys are at the top, Volk and Max Holloway, and that's why that's all wall people want to see. So. Um, we can, uh, zoom through the rest of this recap real quick. Cause there's not so much n- more notable on here. Caitlin Chukagian for Jennifer Maya. Good call on that one. We got pretty good odds there. Easy finish or easy win there. Chukagian by decision. Um, Royval versus, uh, Bontarine. Um, close call, but we got it right. Brandon Royval, the raw dog for the win. What'd you think of that one? Is that, that was a pretty close fight. Yeah, I thought it was a close fight. I kind of expected this one to be close. I thought, uh, I thought the line was a little bit favored to Brandon Royvelle, but uh, I thought it was going to probably be pretty close. But Brandon Royvelle pulled it out and, you know, went yeah. to win, right? I was happy with the decision, too. Bontarine held him down, but he never did anything. So Royval landed like twice as many strikes, significant strikes. So I was cool with that. Um, another big win, Jake Collier over Chase Sherman. Just too easy to fade Chase Sherman. Jake Collier, I mean,. He looks like he threw his career away by getting fat, but he might he might be in a better position than he's ever been in before. Right? I mean, the heavyweight division, it's like like we say, we got two we got two divisions. We got the fat boy <laughs> division and uh, and the real heavyweight division and you know, you can have a good career at heavyweight being being um, you being know, fat. top 5 in the fat boy division, you know? Yeah, and he might be. He might be pushing that super fat the super fat boy division top 6 or 7, 7 or 8 maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah, he's definitely top 10. Yeah, and Chase Sherman's definitely not. So that was an easy one. Uh, he took care of business pretty quickly. Uh, nice nice one to bag there. Bill Algeo, Joe Anderson, Brito. Good call on Bill Algeo. Another sweat for us. Um, I I was not so quick to pick Bill Algeo. He kind of let me down in his last fight. I felt like he – I feel like he has the tools to win, but he doesn't mind keeping it super, super close, almost like a Bobby Green. Well, he'll, he'll let a decision slip away. 
but he's not he's going to be smooth sailing the whole time win or lose and this was a close one yeah and when I was watching the fight I remember remember last week when I was talking about this one I kept thinking he surprised us and we picked against him in his last fight and he won it was Billy Q that, that oh yeah I was no of. no I and knew they're uh, very similar fighters right yeah and they both beat Spike Carlisle one after another um I knew Bill Algeo let me down in his last fight against Ricardo Ramos he he just would not put he just would not throw any strikes and uh he could have the fight was there for the taking but he just stayed in kind of his little flow state he didn't look out of, he didn't look out like he wasn't hurt he didn't look out of whack or anything like that he just he fights at his own pace and if the, he gets the win at the end he gets the win and if he doesn't he doesn't and uh this one was close enough but uh we got it right um last one we got charles rosa tj brown went for the big upset money here because i think charles rosa was like plus two something or three something was it something it was something maybe it was even more than that um I think he's like plus 200, but it ended up not being a good pick. I mean, the short notice didn't help him whatsoever. No. Um, he, he, was in, he was in shape, right? He had the cardio. He had the gas tank. It was more of he wasn't in fight shape. He wasn't. Uh, yeah, he wasn't he, ready to he, wrestle. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't ready to wrestle. It looked like he was just, a, you know, takedowns that I think he would usually uh, stuff or at least do decent against. He was getting taken down. His timing looked off, so. That's some. That's something about short notice that some guys I feel like are able just have that timing. You know, they're just you know freaks like that. And other guys, they really need to be putting in the work to uh, to get ready for a fight for that timing and whatnot. Yeah, the best short notice guys are the hungriest guys. They're always like the late the guys that get signed for that fight, um, or they come on earlier than they were supposed to because they get offered a short notice fight. Seems like a lot of the vet guys and i think it's because a lot of those guys stay ready at all times and they're basically fighting every day at the gym where if you're already if you're already 15 12 fights into your ufc career you're probably taking some time off after each fight you're and if you're not in camp you're probably not uh pedal to the metal so it kind of looked like that maybe was the case yeah i definitely agree so overall though not a bad card to start the year off i mean it wasn't great not so remember not so memorable nothing really sticks out no I did all right because I hedged out. I did I was smart enough to hedge out and throw a little bit on uh on Calvin Cater just enough to kind of get me out from starting uh starting the year in a hole. But overall, I mean, whatever it was a good little warm up, shake the rust off and get things going again. Yeah, definitely. All right, then we'll move on to our uh, our segments before we get into our UFC two seventy preview. Um I'll start us off this week with our Isn't he Awesome and our real world call out. Um, first, first off, my isn't he awesome is the uh, Las Vegas Michael Jackson impersonator that choked out a drunk uh, assailant. <laughs> that, did you see this? Yeah, yeah, I did watch the video. <laughs> I think he's getting a little too much credit for his. Uh, he looks like he knows a little bit. I feel like I could have like. Yeah, not, I've never done jujitsu in my life, but I feel like I could do it just from watching it. And yeah, I think that's about what we saw here. I I feel like it, we've seen somebody who maybe took a few classes or maybe just watches a or lot of a MMA fan, yeah. and knew the basics because he didn't get like hooks in or anything no he, he bulldog uh, choked ended him. up on the side just like with uh he with, like, a him. front choke or something yeah it wasn't like uh anything but it did look like he had some transitions going but then the finish wasn't like all the way there like, yeah the he got step the finish over. but the way he passed the way he passed through him was interesting because he, he did step over, and he looked like he was going for the arm bar or something. He looked like he was putting himself in the, like a, 
I thought he was going to triangle him at one point, too. Yeah, he did look like he was going for a triangle. And then all of a sudden, he just kind of had him in like a weird front choke type deal. Yeah, he ended up doing the uh, the same bulldog choke that Ben Askren did to Robbie Lawler, like the big brother choke. Yeah, which, yeah, exactly. Which is pretty low on the technicality thing. Also, like I, if you're going for like a um, full mount, he just went way too high, way too fast. The guy was clearly like just super wasted. The guy was or on drugs or whatever that he was beating up. Not really even beating up. Credit to him for not because he could he could have easily just got into full mount and just started raining elbows on him chose not to went the uh, safer route i mean it would have been maybe he was going to do a try maybe he was really going to style on him and he realized how weird it would look to put a guy in a triangle on a uh, friedmont <laughs> right. avenue or street or whatever that's called so he uh he just went for the bulldog choke that looks a little more normal in a like a casual like schoolyard fight situation but either way he's he uh he made quick work of him yeah he did he got the w uh he looked decent doing it, and uh, and he went viral. So what more can you ask for, right? Yeah, when you're a street performer like that, I mean, these I'm sure more people are showing up to see him after that. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I wonder how good he. Take... I wonder if he's top notch. Uh, you got to be pretty good to be out there in the like anywhere around like the pretty significant Las Vegas area. So exactly, um, I'll be I'll be keeping an eye out for him next time I'm on Friedman Street. Yeah, I, there you go. There. I'm not there very often. I think I maybe been there once in my life, but I've been there a couple times. It's pretty cool. There's some cool stuff over giant like aquarium and stuff. It's pretty sweet. But yeah, I watched Undercover Boss. There's like the Fremont Street Experience CEO on there. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I guess they call that what do they call that? Old Vegas or something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, either way, Michael Jackson over there is not to be messed with. So um, keep an eye on him. Maybe he's uh, budding into going to transition into a uh, a fight career. Call out this week. I got Giga. Giga Chikatse calling for a title shot all week last week, looking over his own opponent, and then showing up with four minutes, three minutes and 30 seconds of cardio. Can't do that. Can't have it. Whole week, showing up with costumes on, outfits on, talking a lot of crap, and then just leaving the gas tank at home. Total, like, bozo move. Can't have yeah, it. Can't com- happen. Agreed. Completely agree. This is one of mine. I got a few, but this is one of mine as well. Giga, I mean... Just a completely embarrassing performance. He talked all this shit leading up to it and just got completely his he just got his ass handed to him. There's no no nothing else you can say about it. And and then on top of that, so on top of just have putting up an embarrassing performance, you know, he after the fight, he comes out with a statement just just being completely delusional after taking a one sided beatdown like he took on Saturday. Um, it's never worked out well for anyone. No one's ever come back and looked significantly better after they were completely delusional. I don't know if you saw this, but he said um, he said he loses against Calvin Cater one in ten times. Oh yeah, Saturday, I saw that. Saturday just happened to be that one time. It's like, buddy, come on! Like <laughs> that was not a one in ten. Like a one in ten is like a flash knockout or something. Like a one in ten is not getting fifty forty five and gassing after after a round. Yeah. Like come on now. Like just, uh, you know, if you're going to come back and you're going to be good and you're going to make another run, uh, uh, you know, go on another win streak or make a run for the title or top five or whatever, you got to know, you, you got to be aware of, of what happened in this fight. And you got to, you got to know what you got to fix. And thinking that a guy just got his lucky one out of 10 on you is not how you get better and, and come back from a loss like that. And on top of that, how many times have you seen a guy make a statement like that and it actually looks good on them that it's always the worst look after taking a beat down 
Yeah, even if it was a one in ten time, like you got flash knocked out, like it happens. There are guys that that would win nine out of ten times and then and lose the one, but. It's like, yeah, just saying that's never a good look. Yeah, right? you're almost better for just being a good sport. Exactly, exactly. Everybody, that's what the fans like to see. I mean, that's what I like to see. It never looks good when you're just uh, downplaying a loss and, and talking shit afterwards and saying someone got lucky. Like, you know, someone gets lucky when they knock you out uh, in round one or something. You don't get lucky 50-45-ing somebody. <laughs> yeah, for... For 30 according to one judge. 25 straight minutes. Yeah, and not to bring Connor into everything, but I would argue that was one of the things that made him so endearing to fans is that he was always super humble after his losses and then super cocky after his wins. That's the way to do it. Not <laughs> up, uh, until, up until his last loss. And and that hasn't gone well for him. It's not made him look right. very good either. So there's the, there's the blueprint right there for how to handle it because his uh, – his post fights recently have been significantly worse than his previous losses, so it's hard to bounce or back when you other, start saying stupid stuff. The other stuff. way to handle it is the Diaz brothers. Just de- deny you ever <laughs> actually lost. Like if you if you don't actually take like a knockout loss, then you can and you can say if the fight would have kept going, you would have won. Yeah, but the bad thing is like I don't even know if Nate's that delusional. I don't think he's <laughs> ever been beat up that bad. Like you gotta like. He was headed that direction against Leon Edwards, and then he cracked him in the fifth round. It's like, yeah, he has a he has a point, but until then, who beat him pretty bad? Um, what's his name? Um, God, Roy McDonald beat him real bad at one seventy. Like, yeah, he's he's had a few tough walls. Josh Thompson knocked him out, or they threw in the towel. Yeah, so, RDA completely mauled him. On yeah, round five or for three. But rounds, he's never yeah. gotten cl- gotten cleaned up like. Dude, Giga looked like a different person. Like he had some gnarly. It was just a. Uh, it's never it never goes well unless unless you can build that persona. But it's never goes well to be like, oh, after you get fifty forty five, yeah, he he got lucky. <laughs> it was yeah, lucky. Yeah, if, if you're like a just bleed guy like the Diaz brothers, you can you can just talk shit when you lose to a wrestler and and say they're boring as hell and stand up and stuff, but. When you get pieced up on the feet for 25 minutes, it's hard to hard to hard to go that route, you know. Exactly. So yeah, I got a call, gig. I don't. That's my only call out this week. So um, I'll turn it over to you for your isn't he awesome and your call outs. All right, uh, isn't he awesome? I got uh, Paige Van Zandt. I don't know. Is, is she uh, trolling the horny MMA fans at this point? Do you know? Um, did you see what pretty she much recently came out? The no. sex tape thing. No, I didn't see this, but she pretty much trolls them 24-7 or trolls them or profits off them, however you decide to look at it. Yeah, she was. I think it is profiting off them. She was doing a Q&A on Instagram, apparently, and someone asked her if she's ever filmed a sex tape or is willing to film a sex tape or something, and she said um, she already has multiple times with her husband, whatever, Van, whatever, Van Zandt, Vanderford or whatever. Austin and, Van Zandt. Uh, Austin yeah, Vanderford. Austin Van Zandt and... Uh, yeah, just basically just pulled it up and then probably sent a link to her uh, page van OnlyFans or Only Vinzance or whatever. Oh, geez. And you just happened to accidentally stumble upon this? Yeah, I was just looking through. I just put an MMA on Google and went to the news, and it was like one of the top things. Like If you Google MMA and then go to the news, I'm sure you'll see it. Uh, where is it? 
Yeah, go to like the news tab right right next to all. That's actually we've never given her enough credit for her business acumen because that's actually a super genius move. So she uploaded a link right after she said that, and (laughs) I don't know if she did or not. I was just assuming that's probably what she did. She was basically just doing a Q and A on her Instagram, and I'm sure she was basically the Q and A was basically probably just plugging her her OnlyFans. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just upload a mysterious link to your OnlyFans, and then it's just the same picture as always. But then you right after you say something like that, people are going to be like, oh, I better find out. Yeah, right. Is the probably like, I better subscribe, see if the sex tape's on there, right? Yeah. And her and her husband post some weird pictures to begin with. So yeah, nothing the would surprise me. Gym pics and stuff. Which yeah. Is barely covered up by like, uh, here's one. They, yeah. It's just, it's kind of weird stuff, but yeah, she it's is really a, weird. she's a genius marketer. Even, um, she keeps it going, even being in bare knuckle and whatnot. Right. Yeah, I mean, as long as she has something that differentiates her from every other girl, which is the fact that she's a fighter, and MMA fans are the horniest people on earth, un- like uncontrollable, like animals, then she'll have a lucrative career as long as she sticks around for. Her. So good for. I mean, she's married too, so it's not even like, like that's usually a killer in those situations. But usually, you gotta hide your significant other, but not her. I mean, these. These uh these MMA fans they can't be stopped they don't care they're not deterred by anything. No no I think they just imagine like because her her husband's like in like all the pictures with her like half of them yeah. or something I think they just imagine that they're him or whatever. In the pictures. <laughs> I think he's fighting for a Bellator title we might have to start putting some respect on his name soon. Remembering name, his name. Her name or his name or whose name? Is <laughs> we might have to put some respect on it. We might have to remember his name, Austin name. Vanderford. Yeah, so, but yeah, you, she might just be, uh, she's probably killing it on there. Yeah, I would assume so. I was just thinking about it the other day, like, you can make a killing on there and you don't even have to have that many people following you. You charge like 10 bucks a month, 2,000 people, you get making 20 grand a month, you know? I'm sure she's got well it's, over 2,000 paying, paying 10 bucks a month, you know? Like, so I'm sure she probably has at least 10,000. Like, you're looking at like 100 grand right there, right? Yeah, it changed the game. I would say... I would say that there's a it definitely put a tilt on the the market for that kind of thing. Shit, I was thinking like, could I get? Is there two thousand people out there that want to see me post pictures like half naked? I don't know. I might have, if I could get twenty grand a month, it might be worth it. You right? don't know if you don't try. Well, that's the thing. That's like I, a lot of people are making that decision. <laughs> yeah, right. Might as well give it a shot. I mean, even if shit, even if you only get like what, like five hundred, that's that's five grand yeah not bad have to think not about at it at all have to think about it exactly so keep an eye out maybe i'll be on uh maybe i'll be on only maybe we'll be on only soon here with our uh <laughs> hot takes for the podcast just to bring uh yeah that'll just to bring viewers to the podcast whatever it takes <laughs> yeah right but we'll move on um also just shout out bill geo um for uh pulling out a win it was a close fight but got the win the underdog and uh yeah he's always somebody you got to watch out for but uh we'll move on to our call out here we had giga we went over that already on yours but uh my other one uh my other one i'm gonna do is fernand lopez uh cyril gan's current head coach and uh, francis nagan's former head coach i mean this guy is just petty as hell he's sour like, grapes he's sour sour grapes it's unbelievable i mean 
it's it's the fight game, right? How how often do we see guys leaving camps to go to other camps and whatnot? And I mean, Francis, I guess it's maybe a little bit of a different situation. You might feel like he owes you a little bit more because you basically just took a man off the streets and kind of kind of gave him the opportunity that he has. But in the end, it's just this is how it goes. Like you got into the UFC, you know, France has almost a non-existent MMA game out there. It was illegal up until like uh, a few years ago. So France Ngannou moved on to Vegas. It, it makes his you know, whole career easier, not having to uh, um, fly across the, the world basically to, to get to fights. It makes everything a lot easier. And the guy left you. It's not, it's not, it's just how the game goes. This is the game you're in. Don't sign up to be an MMA coach. If you can't handle a fighter leaving you, right? Like, yeah. and uh, he's made this fight about him. Everything I see on on the news, basically, and MMA news is all about him releasing sparring footage, him talking shit about Francis, him him doing this, him doing that. It's like, this fight isn't about you. You're taking the focus off of your fighter, Cyril Ghan, who's fighting to unify the heavyweight title of the world, and you're making it all about how your former fighter left you. Like, he's like a fucking crazy ex-girlfriend at this point, and... Uh, <laughs> You know, I if I was Cyril Gaon, I wouldn't be too happy about this either. I mean, you're you're in the lead up to the biggest fight of your life, right? You're fighting for the heavyweight title, and your coach is making this all about how the guy that you're fighting left him. I mean, how ridiculous is that? I, I would be pissed if I was him. I think I would have if I was Cyril Gaon, I would have sat him down long ago and been like, dude, this shit has to stop. I'm the I'm your fighter now. Yeah. I'm the one fighting for the title. Like, you got to get over this other dude. You know, it's like it's basically like a girl who get who breaks up with her uh her boyfriend ex gets a new boyfriend but it's constantly talking about shit about her ex it's ridiculous yeah it's got it has gotten it has gotten pretty bad and it's pretty weird um my understanding was it was they he left and went to las vegas just to make his life easier because it, the resources in las vegas was going to give him like the full-time training uh better wrestling better grappling all the stuff you couldn't get where he was at. It was never, I never heard like it was a bad breakup or anything along those lines. Maybe he's upset that he never came back to him or that he didn't bring him with him. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. That's what I always understood it as. And at, at the beginning, I didn't think there was any bad blood. And now all of a sudden, like it's, it's all this guy talks about. It's like, come on now. You got you. It's obviously working out fine for you. You got another elite guy. It's not like you're going to have these two guys the two top heavyweights being in the same gym anyway. So one of them was going to leave you eventually. So like, uh, I don't know. It just seems like Francis is, is, uh, is his true love. And, uh, yeah. but he's just stuck with gone, you know? Yeah. Those guys, they were never down for a threesome. No, not at all. <laughs> no, good point though. I've seen, I saw that. I, I've heard a bunch of the stuff. I didn't watch the training footage. Um, but yeah, it seems like I've heard his name more in this past week than I had in all the years combined. So, um, I mean, it's it's part of the storyline, but it shouldn't be him putting it out there. It's going to be put out there enough as it is. Right, it's part of the storyline. It shouldn't be the storyline. Yeah, you know? it's it's part of the whole picture of the fight, but it's it shouldn't be the main focus. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. All right, is that all you got? Yeah, that's all I got. We can. Uh, all right, we can then. go on to the big preview. We got a we got a nice fight, and um, I'm gonna say this ahead of time before we started. Uh, I am I'm not the most confident in these uh, in these picks this week. I think there's a uh, some dogs that could come through, um, but uh, there's a lot of fights that seem like they 
should be closer than they are. That could go either way. I, I'm leaning towards the favorite on most of them, but I see past the victory for some some of the underdogs. So I think it could be could be a rough one. It could be a good one. We'll we'll see here. All right. So there's your disclaimer. We'll jump into our UFC 270 preview here, starting with our main event. Cyril Gan minus 150. Francis Ngannou plus 130. You know my rules that I break every single time. Championship fighter, underdog odds. You got to take it. Unless you're me, I say it every time and then I break the rule. Except this time, I'm going with it. I like Francis Ngannou at plus 130. I do think Cyril Gan's more technical. I do think he's... uh, He's got a path to victory if he can avoid the big shots, but I just think that 20 pounds plus that Francis carries over him and that that ability to just, I mean, Jarzino Rosenstrike was a decorated kickboxer too. Obviously, we saw what Cyril Gan did to him, a pretty boring, um, indis, I mean, decisive, boring win. Neither guy did a whole lot, but the difference between him and Francis was Fran, Fran, Francis was less technical than him too, but he just blitzed him and just swung windmills at him and put him away um i i just think that francis i think his grappling's gotten so much better i mean remember what he did to stipe i don't know how you think i don't know how you think stipe fares against cyril gone but stipe was thought to be like the cleanest boxer in the heavyweight division it really just doesn't matter when there's so much weight and so much power but uh interested to hear your breakdown here and what you think yeah, man, I, I've been going back and forth and back and forth on this one, and I, I kind of landed on this. I think it's a uh, a fair trade here. Um, I'm going to be, as you know, I like to go favorites for my parlays in the main event, so I'm going to be going on my parlays. I'm going to be putting Cyril Gan on them. I think we've got a good hedge out for Nagano. I might make a few with Nagano too, uh, but overall I think the, the majority of them I'm going to have Cyril Gan on to, to be able to hedge out on Francis if we get there. But um, if I'm if I'm putting a straight bet on this on this fight, I'm going Francis Ngannou. Um, I here's kind of the breakdown I'm thinking. I mean, Cyril Gan, we we've seen him. I, I've been constantly saying he's overrated. I think he's kind of shown that I may be a little off on that. Um, but he definitely does have the skills. Francis Ngannou, we're looking at you know a lot of people I've been hearing say puncher's chance. This. Francis Nagano, you can't say a puncher's chance. Derek Lewis has a puncher's chance against a guy like Cyril Gan, right? Francis Nagano is not Derek Lewis. Francis Nagano has more than a puncher's chance. This guy is the exactly. most devastating puncher we've ever seen. This guy, he barely has to touch you and you, he puts your lights out. It's not really a puncher's chance. Like a puncher's chance is a guy that is really just isn't gonna do much. He's kind of gonna get outworked, but I mean, France Nagano, he can blitz you at any time and put your lights out. He just needs one. It's just, I think it's so much more than a puncher's chance. I think he has literally a shot to beat anybody in the world, really. I mean, especially in four-ounce gloves. I wouldn't even, you know, these big boxing fights, I don't think he's going to win. But if it was a boxing fight, so say he does fight Anthony Joshua or, or Tyson Fury or, or Deontay Wilder or something, I think he's got a puncher's chance in that fight, right, in a boxing match, yeah. in an MMA fight. He's got, he's got more than a puncher's chance, right? So Cyril Gan, how he's going to get this win is basically, so one thing Cyril Gan has going for him, we're in the big cage. It's a pay-per-view. Uh, if we were in the apex, I think this is a way tougher fight. I think that flips Francis Nagano to being uh, my pick on everything. If it's in the smaller cage, um, Gan wouldn't really have as much room to move around and get away from Francis and avoid Francis uh, blitzing. But I think the, the bigger cage does 
give Gon a better shot at this. So Cyril Gon, he's going to have to uh, just put on a performance like we've seen from him in the Volkov or in the Derek Lewis fight. He's going to just have to avoid Francis. He's going to have to just get the, get the jab going, keep his distance, get the jab going, and uh, just kind of outwork him for five rounds. If he can get a takedown, he's going to need to get it to the ground. That, that'll be huge for him. Um, I just, you know, if it was before the last Stipe fight, I'd say he does have a path to victory there on the ground, but it just seems like Francis Nagano's takedown defense is kind of getting on another level. So we'll see how yeah. that goes. Francis Nagano also has the size. Size helps in take, with takedown defense big time. Uh, that's kind of the best thing you can have to uh, avoid going to the ground is the size advantage and, and strength advantage, which uh, I think he's going to have here. So I think for Cyril Gaon to win this fight, he's just going He's going to have to be on his horse at all times. He's going to have to just be circling, circling, getting out of the way, landing a jab here and there. It's going to be a boring fight if Cyril Gaon wins. Um, but for Francis, he's got to, he's got to get Cyril Gaon. He's got to use footwork, right? He's got to blitz him. He's got to get to him. He's got to do the blitz like he does, like against guys like Jusinho Rose and Stryker Stipe. But he's got to do more than blitz because I think Cyril Gaon, he has the ability to use his footwork to get out of the way of some of these blitzes. So I think Francis is not only going to have to blitz him, but he's going to have to use his footwork to kind of corner Cyril Gaon against the cage. Derek Lewis kind of got him against the cage a few times, but um, Cyril Gaon was able to circle out pretty quickly. He's going to have to work on keeping him there, right? And uh, then landing that power when he gets there. Um, so that's kind of the breakdown on this. Um, Cyril Gaon, I think it's just going to be tough for him to get out of the way for five rounds. I mean, yeah. even in the, in the Stipe fight, the first Stipe fight, we saw him land with some power when he was completely gassed in like the fourth and fifth round. Right. So I don't know. It's going to be extremely close. I think a straight bet, like if you're not betting parlays, if you're just betting straight, you got to go Francis Nagano as an, with an underdog money. Like I, I think that's a no brainer, but as far as uh, parlays, I think, you know, maybe Cyril Gaon and then hedge out. But that being said, I'll probably have Francis on a few parlays that I really like too. Yeah, and again, my one last, another disclaimer would be, if Francis, for me, if Francis loses this fight, there is a possibility that his head is not in the right place with everything going on with the UFC, contract disputes, money disputes, manager disputes, coaches disputes, uh, former coaches disputes, all the stuff. Maybe he wants to get into a different venture. He wants to box. He doesn't want to do MMA. All these things could be a factor that maybe... I mean, we, it's one of those things where after the fight, it's like, well, what went wrong? Well, follow the clues, and there maybe his head wasn't really in it the way it needed to be. Um, that would be my biggest concern. Yeah, and I didn't even touch on that, but yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That That is a big concern in this fight. I think we've seen Francis Nagano at some times. He, he gets in his own head. Like, after the Stipe fight, um, it seemed like, it seemed like during the Stipe fight, really, even, he got in his own head, like, you know, once once Stipe took him down that first time, it seemed like he was just all in his own head and was like just so worried about the takedown. It ended up not helping. He ended up getting taken down over and over again and really had no answer for it. Yeah. And then uh, it seemed like that loss kind of uh, kind of affected him quite a bit because then you go into the Derek Lewis fight. He should have been able to de- just blitz Derek Lewis and knock him out like he's done to Jorginho Roja strike and everyone else, but he was just way too tentative. It seemed like the uh, – you know, the hate and the pressure he got from Dana White after that loss to Stipe really got to him, and he really didn't want to take another loss, so he played it super, super safe. So, yeah, and then on this one, it's just we got countless factors that uh, that could be getting his head here, right? We got, like you said, we got the coach. We got it's yeah. a former training partner. 
We have uh, the beef with Dana and the UFC, not knowing where he stands for his future in the UFC. If he's going to go into boxing, he wants a you know boxing clause in his contract. So yeah, there's there's he's countless getting paid in bitcoins. That, yeah, getting paid <laughs> half his pay in bitcoins, which is weird. Uh, but um, it's not weird. But I, I don't know. It's just it's different for sure. I, I don't think the a UFC lot of distractions. Who's so, who? yeah. De- Who's putting it in his head that he needs to go worry about Bitcoin right now when he's like, dude, this is the biggest fight of your life. All these things you want are achieved through winning, not losing. Yeah, what if uh, Bitcoin's on a huge downswing leading in the days leading up to the fight? <laughs> like, that's not good, right? So yeah. what if we see a 20% drop? Like, uh, he could be uh, freaking out about that. So, yeah, you're right. It just does seem like uh, there are countless factors that could be getting in his head here. And uh, it just uh, it doesn't seem like the, uh, the best place for him to be in at this point I, I'd, I'd be a lot more confident Francis if we had a little less distractions but it is what it is you know when you get to the top of fight game there's nothing but distractions if uh, if you let it but uh yeah I just wish they had figured out some of the contract stuff beforehand and whatnot but uh it's not gonna happen so we'll we'll see what happens yep he's filming jackass four he's doing all this stuff there's a lot of excuses built in if this doesn't go his way so uh but we'll move on though to our co-main event the little fellas, Brandon Moreno, Davidson Figueredo. We got Brandon Moreno, the champ, minus 180. Davidson Figueredo, plus 155. As everyone knows, Davidson Figueredo, my guy, thought he had a pretty subpar showing in his second fight, but I also thought Moreno improved a lot from their first fight. First fight was electric. Second fight, a little bit of a letdown if you're a Figueredo fan. A um, little bit of a letdown regardless, but I thought uh, Moreno made some improvements and Figueredo kind of slipped up a little bit. Hard for me to get a read on this one, so probably gonna ride for my guy um but uh i'll let you uh break it down a little bit yeah i've been kind of thinking about this one quite a bit and uh i'm landing on brandon moreno uh brandon moreno it's just the sole fact of we've seen both these guys fight twice now um figueredo he looked decent in the first fight right he lost basically because of a point deduction but it was really close fight brandon Moreno really tie yeah yeah tie my bad tie because of the point deduction he should have won but got the point deduction so it ended up being a tie um but anyways he brandon he was basically figurato was winning that fight up until like then brandon moreno started taking over midway through the third then fourth and fifth he looked really good um then second fight brandon moreno just kind of steamrolls him right so yeah big time I kind of see what we see in this one is I think we got an Asian fighter versus uh, a fighter coming into their prime and um, this wouldn't be as big of a deal, but we're looking at the 125 division. It's just, it's tailor made. We've always seen these lighter fighters, the younger guys win, right? Like you lose a half a half a step and, uh, and you're out in this division. So I think we got a Brandon Moreno. I think he's what, like 27, 28, 29 i don't know he's young right he's in his fighting prime basically um and he just looks like he's been getting better and better every fight then we got figueredo who is in his 30s i think maybe mid 30s and uh at 125 making some tough cuts yeah exactly making a tough tough cut brandon moreno seems to be right on the money with as far as the weight cuts go and stuff so you got somebody who's having issues with their cuts i always had issues with their cuts he's aging he you know, it just seems like a little bit compounding on on top of each other, and uh, I just think it's it's one of those things where we see kind of a passing of the torch here, and uh, Brandon Moreno cements himself as the champion, takes out Figueroa, and uh, 
Figueredo, I think he he gets some wins after the champion, but I just think uh, just hard to compete at this in this division when you're when you're getting older and uh, you got the weight cuts and uh, some other factors going into this. So I, I like Brandon Moreno on it. Yeah, the one thing that's kind of pulling me back is I. Let's put it this way: if he comes out and shows a whole different side of himself, perfect cut, no issues with weight, looks good, cardio checks out the whole fight, you can attribute it to his new camp with Cejudo and Scottsdale working out pretty well. If it comes out and looks similar or the same, definitely a sign that there's, I mean, there's not much he can do. He's just kind of aged out and uh, kind of limited on what he's, what his potential is. This is though we'll find out a lot in this fight about where Figueredo's at. I mean, if he, if he can't make weight now, or he has some sort of botched weight cut or trouble, he might as well hang it up in the 125 division. And there, obviously, 135 he's not gonna ever be a champion there there's some good fights for him i mean he'll still be a ufc fighter he'll be competitive but um we'll learn a lot in this one i mean it's yeah. it's 125 champ or bust i think for davis and figueredo yeah exactly i like you said i i i didn't mention that either but yeah i agree like the best thing he has going for him is switching that camp up going to henry cejudo's camp um you know that's going to help him quite a bit, I think. Um, who better to be training with than Henry Cejudo for this fight, right? So I think it'll help him in the end. I just don't think it's enough for where we're at with Brandon Moreno kind of being in his prime and, and him kind of just starting to tailor off. I think it's, you know, if he has a chance, it's because of that. And like you said, I think watch the weigh-ins here. If you're, if you're leaning towards Figueredo in this fight, watch the weigh-ins. If he looks good, you know, and you really want to go Figueredo on it, then go for it. But if you watch the weigh-ins... Even if you like Figueredo, if you watch the wins and he doesn't look right, then I'd have trouble betting him for sure. Exactly. And to his credit with Cejudo, it looks like he's already in pretty good shape. They posted some pictures recently on Instagram where it looks like the weight cut is well. This, these pictures are a few days old. It looks like the weight cuts are well on their way, and it looked like he was uh, he was doing pretty well. So, again, there's a lot to learn. There's some factors here with switching camps and everything else. So um, this is kind of a – I'm kind of like a 50-50 on it, so I'll probably take the underdog odds on Figueredo, but definitely not high in my confidence ranking. I would definitely say Moreno, better boxer, better better technical stand-up fighter. Figueredo's one of those guys that looks for the big shot all the time, and uh, I thought he was more... Um, I thought he was a little better off on the ground than he was. I didn't expect him to get mauled on the ground, but that could have been a cardio thing, so we'll see what happens again. I'm obviously excited as a fan for this one, but um, tough to call, so see how it goes. Um, Michelle Pereira versus Andre Fialho. Fialho looks like they just signed him. He's a plus two twenty five underdog. Michelle Pereira minus two eighty. Obviously, Michelle Pereira, total wild man. Um, I think he's the only fighter that actively does backflips in all his fights, except for maybe one. Um, he's looked good in his last few fights. Um, but he's the kind of guy that will blow a fight for you out of nowhere or do something stupid or gas himself out. I think he's kind of put those behaviors in his past a little bit and gotten a little more serious. Um, obviously, all the tools, huge for the division. Talented, super athletic. A little worrisome to, to uh, pick him at a minus 280, but I, uh, I don't know anything about Andre Fialo, so um, that's probably why I lack a little confidence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Michelle Pereira, I mean, yeah, he. it's overall he's gotten a little bit less crazy, right? But 
His last fight against Nico Price, he backflipped and almost stomped Nico Price's <laughs> head off. So, um, I mean, that being said, even though he has seemed to rein it in a little bit, he uh, he's still a wild man and can do anything at any time. So you never really know, right? But um, yeah. overall, I'm on I'm on Michelle Pereira on this one. I mean, I think he's he, built some credibility. Yeah, I think he's got some credibility now. I think he's looked good in in his last few fights. Um, like you said, he's reined in the wild man a little bit, but he's still not afraid to get wild, and that's why that's why we love him, right? That's why he uh, he's a bigger name than he should be in the UFC because he does stuff like that. And uh, but on top of that, he has been looking like he's been improving skill wise as well. We got this Andre Fiala, who he, I just don't think he's on on Pereira's level. Regardless, I mean, he lost in PFL to Chris Curtis. Um, lost in LFA it looks like and he lost in Bellator so he's got three losses um I mean Chris Curtis is no slouch but uh Michelle Pereira is pretty legit so I think we go with Michelle Pereira on this one like you said I don't love laying minus 280 or whatever he is right now on on Michelle Pereira just because he could get DQ'd at any time but yeah um, knee a guy in the head or something yeah exactly but overall uh we're on Pereira here and and he should win this one unless he uh unless he blows it for himself. so. Yeah, and looking at how big of a favorite he is and what it looks like, I'm going to I'm gonna do a personal guarantee that he's going to do a backflip. We'll, we'll get the backflip. Yeah, I, I'd say so. So, yeah, if you, if you put like a 10 out of – like if you grade him like a 10 out of 10, like say he dialed it back a little bit, 10 out of 10 on the crazy – or out of 10 on the crazy scale, he's gone from like a 14 out of 10 to like a 12.5 out of 10 on, on like the crazy scale. So – He's still out there and he's still nuts, but he's uh he's kind of matured a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'll definitely be with Pereira on this one. All right, I like it. Two two guys I really like, Pereira and uh Figueredo and Francis. Uh Cody Stamen, Saeed Nurmagomedov. We got Cody Stamen coming in at a plus one seventy, Saeed Nurmagomedov minus two hundred. Uh we talked about this one a little bit before we started recording. Cody Stamen, pretty much the ultimate gatekeeper of the division super solid guy can be can be in there with anybody doesn't necessarily mean he'll beat anybody he's pretty much draw we pretty much know where his line is i would say it's Saeed Nurmagomedov where we're not really sure what his uh where his ceiling's at so um picking this fight what do you got for this one yeah uh i got Saeed Nurmagomedov but i don't love it i could be persuaded to go with Cody Stamen here basically how I kind of feel on this one is uh, I think they're pretty similar fighters. I think uh, I think Nurmag- uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov here, he is a bigger favorite than he should be on last name alone. Um, but that being said, I, I think it's pretty close to a 50-50 fight. But we're trying to pick a winner here. I think Saeed Nurmagomedov barely, you know, I think he just wins this. I think it's going to be a close fight. If you wanted to take the dog here and go with Cody Stamen, I wouldn't argue against it. Um, honestly, I don't think it's a bad pick value wise, seeing as I think it should be close to 50, 50. So, you know, if you're just looking to take a shot on the dog here, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't argue with it. I, I think that's not a bad pick here, but, uh, as far, as far as kind of parlays, I'm going to be putting Saeed and Omega Madoff on a few. It's not one that I'm going to have on a, all my parlays or anything. It's going to be kind of lower down on the confidence rankings, but we'll go with Saeed and Omega Madoff here. All right. I like it. All right, we got uh, Roni Barcelos versus Victor Henry. This is a rescheduled fight from previously. Um, 
Barcelos minus 510, Victor Henry plus 375. We were both on Bar- Barcelos last time. Nothing changed here. Uh, just do a quick refresher there for that one. Yeah, we're on Rayone Barcelos here. I mean, Rayone Barcelos, he lost his last fight there to uh, to Tamer Valiev, but uh, other than that, he's just legit. It just seems like sometimes against a guy like Tamer Valiev, he, uh, he just didn't throw enough, right? When he was throwing, he looked good. And uh, I think he won round one, and then Valiev kind of just came out and, and won the next two. Or maybe maybe it was Valiev won one and Barcelos won two. I can't remember. But basically, I think it was 2-1 Valiev. But Valiev just kind of put it on him and uh, set the pace. And uh, uh, Barcelos just really couldn't keep up. Um, I don't think we're going to be seeing that. I, uh, Victor Henry, he might try to implement that same game plan. But at the same time, like he's not Timur Valiev, right? I mean... Barcelos is just so dangerous. His hands are lightning fast. He can yeah. light you up at any time. And uh, I think uh, against a guy like Victor Henry, Rayani Barcelos is gonna gonna get it uh, worked on here. He's rightfully a minus five ten favorite. All right, then moving to our last one, and this is uh, this one is pretty interesting, and I think it's pretty near and dear to both of us. Oh, Our we boy. skipped one. We skipped uh, Rodolfo Vieira. Oh, I sticked. Uh, yeah, well, let's save the best for last. Well, uh, let's go back up to where the one I missed. Seem to do that more often than not. Rodolfo Rivera versus Wellington Terman. We got Rodolfo Rivera minus two twenty-five. Wellington Terman plus one eighty-five. I think Rodolfo Rivera kind of carries a lifelong uh, smudge on his record for that getting submitted by Anthony Hernandez. Um, so. That's kind of one thing that kind of plays into his reputation going forward. Jacked Brazilian, we know that they have gas tank issues. Wellington Terman hasn't looked great, hasn't looked terrible, kind of a middle-of-the-pack guy, probably a pretty good test for Vieira. Um, Vieira minus 225, Terman plus 185. How do you see this one going down? Yeah, I'm going to take the underdog shot here on Wellington Terman. Um, I still have... uh, some confidence issues in uh Hadolfo Vieira. Oh, I here. think he, I think uh, auto fading him is perfectly reasonable. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I think Vieira could get the win here. I just don't think this is an easy fight for him, honestly. I think this is somewhat tough for him just in his skill set. Wellington Terman, um, he's got pretty good takedown defense. I think this is going to be tough for Vieira to get it to the ground. I think when he does get it to the ground, Wellington Terman's a black belt. Granted, there are levels to it, right? Like Vieira's probably the you know, definitely the better grappler, but I think uh, Wellington. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> excuse me. I think uh, Wellington Terman can uh, hold his own and just, uh, you know, be able to not get submitted unless he gets clipped before it when it's on the ground. So, uh, uh, and on top of that, I think uh, Vieira. We haven't seen great takedown skills from right. His offensive wrestling isn't great, so uh, I think he's going to have trouble getting this into his wheelhouse and on the feet. I'd probably give a slight edge to Wellington Terman. I mean, Wellington Terman's not an elite striker by any means, but Rodolfo Vieira really isn't. He looked better uh, in his last fight versus Dustin Stolfus, but Dustin Stolfus really isn't a striker at all, right? Like, he's not, uh, he's actually like, he's more of a jiu-jitsu, he's a jiu-jitsu guy, really. So, yeah, I mean, we got Wellington Terman who's going to be a better striker than Dustin Stolfus showed. I think he's a better striker than Rodolfo Vieira, and I think Vieira's going to have trouble getting into the ground. So, I think an underdog shot here on, on Wellington Terman is uh, is a good look on this one. Yeah. Um, basically, when it comes to the jiu-jitsu, I feel like you survive that first round, put some pressure on Vieira, 
and he's probably not going to submit you anyways. If he does get you to the ground, his jiu-jitsu will probably be labored and probably just trying to get top control as opposed to chasing submissions when we saw when he chased submissions on Anthony Hernandez and didn't get the didn't finish the fight in the one round he had nothing left I mean he was just I've never seen trying to think of a time I've seen a fighter more gas than in the octagon in a fight than Adolfo Riviera in that fight like I think we said I think we said in real time like that's the most gas we've ever seen a guy and I still think that stands to this day yeah he definitely was Giga was a close second though yeah, he wasn't this elite black belt after uh, after round one against uh, Anthony Hernandez. That's for sure. Yeah, that was that was wild to see. Like just a guy stumbling, like he can't breathe. Like he, I've never seen anything like it. So I mean, generally jacked Brazilians they have a little trouble with their gas tanks, but this was a whole nother ball game. Exactly. So, exactly. So, so yeah, we can move on to the uh, the JLT main event, right? Yeah, our uh, this one's near and dear to us. Two of our guys we've been we've been riding for a long time. We've been uh, we've been ride or die Charles Air Jordan fans since the very beginning, and uh, we've been on Ilya Taporia since he came on the scene quickly. And uh, I mean, pretty much uh, he's been untouched since he got here. We got wild odds here, though. I mean, this really puts a really puts a twist in it. Ilya Taporia, we got him as a minus 630 favorite over Charles Jordan, plus 450. I think that this is the widest spread here. It's the one I'm, um, five dimes has it as minus 600, plus 450 as well. So I would say that's insane odds. That's like you got to be pretty strategic here if you want to make a bet on on either of these guys there's almost nothing left there to take with Taporia who is obviously the more polished and better um, well-rounded fighter but Charles Jordan at plus 450 is capable of anything how do you see this one going down yeah I mean we got two guys that are just dogs can be can get into dog fights right and and look good so um, honestly I've been going back and forth. I was thinking about recommending Charles Jordan or pass, but over now, the more I've thought about this one, I think I'm going to go straight pass on it. Um, as far as building my parlays, um, the minus six thirty or whatever it is on, on, uh, Ilya Tepori, it's not going to help me out that much. Right. So I, I think I'm just going to leave it off just because of the sole fact, I mean, I do think Ilya Tepori is going to win, going to win this fight. I just think there are some question marks. And I just, I think uh, the Amanda Nunes last fight. I was, me. And, I was just uh, gonna say, are you? <laughs> is this still haunting you from putting uh, minus nine fifty or whatever? Honestly, I think it is. I think I would be putting Taporia on my parlays here if it, if that didn't just happen in recent memory. So just because of that, I think I'm gonna be a little cautious. I'm gonna leave this one off of it. Um, but I think Ilya Tepori is going to win. I think he's just the cleaner striker. I think he's the better striker. Um, I think he's going to be able to get in and get out. And uh, Charles Jordan, he just puts himself in danger. His striking defense is somewhat non-existent at times. If he doesn't, if he, you know, if he's not dominating, when he's dominating, he looks great, right? But when he gets in these crazy back and forth exchanges and starts getting tagged up, it starts just uh, kind of snowballing against him. That being said, we've seen him kind of start to get into big trouble and then land some huge shots and, and yeah. get right back in it and get the win. So he's never out of the fight. And I think that's kind of why I'm, I'm moving more towards a pass just because Charles Jordan, he can take a beat and he could bring it right back. And, uh, I, I just feel a little bit, 
a little bit too uh, cautious on this one. I just want to uh, go with the pass here. Um, the other thing, though, is Jordan. I, I kind of feel like we haven't seen him look great on the ground. Poirier, he's someone who we've seen recently look really good at somewhat on the ground, and uh, yeah. I think he's going to be better than Jordan, especially uh, if it gets to the ground. I mean, Jordan, it looks like he is a black belt, but um, I think Taporia clearly would have a grappling advantage in this one. So um, that being said, I, I think Taporia is going to win this one. Uh, I'm recommending a pass on it. If you wanted to throw a flyer on Jordan, uh, maybe go Jordan by knockout or something, and uh, you g- even get better odds on that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a good fight though, regardless, right? Like this is going to be, uh, I think if you're looking for maybe fight of the night potential or the JLT just bleed fight of the night, I think uh, look no further than this one. It should be entertaining. So it's a, it's a must watch for the prelims. Absolutely. I would agree 100%. And I would just say to that, we have not seen Taporia get tagged once since he's been in the UFC. Um, his biggest test to this point was against a noted fraud, Yusef Zalal, and then also noted fraud, Ryan Hall. So there's some serious steam on Taporia for reasons that maybe, I mean, he's looked good, personally looked good, but some of his fights have not been the fights that uh, you would, uh, maybe his fights have been graded more generously than some of the others, while Jordan has been all dog fights and all of his fights. And uh, this could be, I would just say that this could be a closer line than it is. Again, Taporia may come out and just totally outclass him. I, I'm sure he has him outgunned standing and on the ground. So, um, but when things get crazy, you just never know. So, um, yeah, exactly. But when things get crazy, we do know Jordan is is standing in the pocket trading, right? Like, yeah. he's, he's a wild man. He's an animal. So, if it gets down to be just like a test of. Uh, who can uh, last longer if it gets really just back and forth? Like we, we know Jordan's going to be in there until the end, until it gets taken out. So that is something. I just looked it up. Jordan by uh, TKO or knockout plus a thousand. So wow. if you want to throw, uh, you know, 20 bucks or something, get you, get you 200 back. Like that's not, that's not bad. I wouldn't, I'll probably just sprinkle like 10 bucks or something on that just uh, cause he's our guy. He know? is our guy. I mean, we have, we almost have an obligation to uh, throw a little bit down, um on our guy or Jordan so kind of feel like that one's that one's done for us but as far as parlays go may just uh steer clear of it definitely definitely so yeah I think that's all all I got on this one I mean it's uh as I I'm kind of unsure on it bet wise but uh I'm definitely sure this is gonna be uh, a must watch card right we got some uh unbelievable matchups I mean France Nagani versus Cyril Gan. Uh, usually, if we're if we think it's kind of tough to make picks, that usually means it's going to be a, a good card, right? That usually means we got yeah. some underdogs that could pull through. We got some uh, fights that are just going to be back and forth brawls, and it's hard to pick a winner. So, um, yeah, I think uh, it should definitely be a fight to watch. I mean, we got the heavyweight championship of the world, the most devastating power punch we've ever seen, versus you know, kind of like uh, his biggest uh, test, you know, a heavyweight that can move and and kind of throw out the jab and fight like that it's just kind of a clash of completely two different styles you got brandon moreno versus figueredo for the trilogy uh you got crazy michelle Pereira throwing backflips um you got uh rodolfo Vieira versus wellington turman we could be looking out upset alert we got rayoni barcelos he's got some of the fastest hands we've seen uh charles jardine versus Ilya poria the jlt just bleed fight of the week most likely you know we got some uh we got some stuff to look forward to here Absolutely, yeah. So we'll uh, 
we'll wrap it up then and we'll uh be looking forward to this one but we'll be back next week to uh recap it so um i expect nothing but uh excitement and uh some violence from this one but we'll be back to uh, recap it no matter what so we will uh, see you all next week peace Trying to bang